This is Fantasy Football Yesterday from the Sports Division of Columbia Broadcasting System. Phone us at Klondike 51212. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. If you have a time machine. Now, here's some swell combination of Mr. Azer, Mr. Richard, Mr. Eisenberg, Mr. Cummings, Mr. Grinch. Another edition of Fantasy Football Yesterday. Welcome back, everybody. What's going on? Adam Azer here with a very lively Jamie Eisenberg. You've got some pep in your step this morning, sir. I'm so mad at you right now. Okay, we'll get back to that. We've got uh, I pretty no, normal, regular, typically lively Heath Cummings. What's up, Heath? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling my just median... Liveliness. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, I don't know. He looked like a sleepy Ben Gretsch because it's it's pretty early for Ben. It's six thirty in the morning. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of asleep. I was up a little bit late last night. <laughs> my my wife gave me a little trim. I finally finally gave in and and let her do the sides and back of my hair. So hopefully that looks all right. It does. She did a nice job. Uh, Jamie, what did I do? You are such a terrible friend. It's unbelievable how terrible a friend you are. Well, I'm just surprised you consider me a friend to begin with. Well, I, I do consider you a friend, but um, this person may not consider you a friend anymore after what you've done so far today. What did I do? It's just, it's so bad what you've done. I have zero idea. Zero. How long have we been talking? Mic check and, and the start of the show. 10 minutes? Is it somebody's birthday today? Yeah, it is. And you're just a jerk. <laughs> Whose birthday? Uh, total, total jerk. Ben Schrager's birthday. He's actually 12 years old. Today. No way. Shaggy B, it's your birthday? <laughs> yeah, I turned 13. Happy birthday, Ben Schrager. And you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. How did you know it was his birthday? Well, because we're Facebook friends. You're probably not. I don't, no, I don't think we are. I don't really do. I, I don't do. So the I, only I Facebook thing it was, I do is our Facebook group. I saw that it was his birthday, and I texted him before making this so that I couldn't actually say that I didn't wish him a happy birthday as well. So I wanted, to know that, I wanted him to know that I was thinking of him. And so you're just a jerk. He, hey, happy birthday, Ben. How old are you now? 23. 23. Wow. Right into his prime. Yeah. I, you know I'm all about the 23-year-olds. You know, I don't know if it's For just my... football. My, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben. <laughs> That's another clip. Uh, I don't know if it's because my brain isn't working yet. It's only 9.30 in the morning. I guess that's early. But as Jamie was... You know, I can see everybody here. We're, we're on Skype. As Jamie was saying, it's Ben Schrager's birthday. I was staring at Ben Gretsch the entire time. I was like, oh, it's Ben Gretsch. In my mind, it was Ben Gretsch's birthday. I had the wrong you mean, you mean, Oh, did you tell Heath what you did to Ben the other day? What did I do? I didn't, he, I didn't see him in the bathroom. That's to referring to. <laughs> no, on, uh, on our show Tuesday, which was recorded Monday Oh, afternoon. no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Heath, uh, my two-year-old showed up um, and was on. Simon was on the show. And then at the end of the show, Adam says, for Dave, for Jamie, for Jamie, for, for Dave, for Jamie, for Heath, for Jamie, son, Simon, have a great show. He totally forgot Ben was on the show. I, put, I, I replaced Ben with Heath. So, Heath, I guess you were on my mind. I don't know what to say. I think you replaced me with Dave earlier in the week. I so. do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. The time. It's very hard. People don't realize how hard it is to know who's on the show. All right, so today on the show... Let's see if I even know the topics we're talking about. It's fantasy football yesterday from 1997 to 2019. The best one-year wonders. And I'm giving you guys some fodder, an easy way to make fun of me because one of my one-year wonders is just a terrible pick. I'm just doing that for you, for your benefit. 
the biggest breakouts, the biggest outlier games. Remember Ronnie Brown and the Wildcat? We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about more. And then we'll spin it to uh, 2020. Who are going to be the one-year wonders from last year, for example? Who are going to be the breakouts um, this year? So uh, that's coming up. A few news items, mostly about the Raiders. But let's start with our big top. Oh, and your emails, fantasyfootballcbsi.com. Big topic for today. I guess I'm just, you know, like kind of a curmudgeon this week, trying to crush Nick Chubb's fantasy value. I'm going to ask you about Devontae Adams. And because he's not, because he doesn't exactly excel in yards per target, I hope that's the right way to say it. When you look at the yeah. elite receivers, right? He's, he's not quite up there, and yards per catch for that matter. What if he sees fewer targets? The last two years, Devontae Adams has had a target share around 30%, and that is enormous. They didn't do anything to suggest he won't get that target share, but what if they just throw the ball less? Uh, and have we glossed over the fact that on a per-game basis he was 10th in non-PPR and only 6th in PPR last year? Are the Packers transitioning to be more like, say, the Titans, where Matt LaFleur used to coach? Um, does anybody have a concern about that based on the rankings? No, because I, I Ben, I don't have your rankings, but Dave, Jamie, Jamie, and Heath all have Adams number two overall uh, at wide receiver. How about you? I have Tyree Kill ahead of him, and this is a reason why. I mean, I, I, I'm not... I think Adams is going to see a ton of targets, but um, I think I don't. I don't think we can be as sure that Adams is is just going to be a top two receiver, and it's part of the reason why I'm comfortable putting Hill ahead of him. I think they're a toss up. Obviously, I'm playing sort of a worst case scenario here for him. I, I, there's a lot to like about Devonte Adams, but I just wanted I just want to bring this up because uh, I wonder what direction the Packers are going. And Jamie, you, uh, I think at one point you've been flirted with putting Devontae Adams number one because you see that kind of potential. I still, I still might. I don't look at the whole season. I look at what he did when he came back from the toe injury because I think it was a different guy. I think that's the guy that we're going to see because that's the guy that we saw the year before. And so, um, you know, while he had, you know, it was basically the, the Philadelphia game because they were feeling their way out. And I think this is something to keep in mind with the entire Packers offense. That was their first year with LaFleur. First year for Rodgers, we had the growing pains that those two guys went through. Uh, it was great for Aaron Jones. Um, I think this defense is going to put them in some uncomfortable situations because they can't stop the run still. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold that they fixed their run defense, and we saw it was miserable last year. So is their pass rush and secondary going to cover for some of the matchups that they're going to face? And what we saw from Devontae Adams, uh, his first three games were not, I think, indicative of who he is of the season. So we had three games of nine targets or less. We had no touchdowns in the first four games. The Philadelphia game, that first half was magical. Then he had the toe injury. And then he had the three games that he sat out, four games that he sat out, excuse me. And what did we see? When he came back, that was the guy I think that everybody drafted last year. That's the player I think you should expect to see. And that's the guy Aaron Rodgers is going to re rely on. So uh, it was every game with 10 or more, I'm uh, sorry, all but one, 10 or more targets in, in, in the Six games to close the season. I think he's going to have a monster, monster season. There's eight, eight game, yeah. Sorry, eight games to close the season. In fact, um, I think. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, after their bye week, excuse me. Well, either way, I mean, you look at their last ten games. You include the playoffs. The last ten games he played, he had double digit targets in nine of them. But that's kind of my point. Is and again, I don't want like I would take Adams as either number two or three at receiver. But uh, so I'm not trying to you know dump on him. I'm just bringing up this possibility. My point is he did get peppered with targets. 
And the number two player on the team in targets was Aaron Jones last year. I think he had 68. So if they throw less, if they get Sternberger involved, if Alan Lazard takes a jump, if Devontae Adams doesn't get double-digit targets in basically every single game, um, is there bust potential there? I just, just to try to answer the question, like, I just did the math because I've got him projected for 166, which is like 10.4 per game. He was at 10.6, I think, last year. Two years ago, he was at 11, just over 11 per game. Um, I, if you put him at 140 targets with the efficiency I'm expecting from Adams, then he would fall all the way to number four. Do you have so, the numbers he would he would have with 140 targets? 91 catches. 1120 yards, eight touchdowns. Now, there's a there's a little bit he's been more efficient the last 2 years than he had been for most of his career. Um so I'm using That's also year- the 2 years he was featured in the offense though. Right. Yeah, I like I think he's just developed into a better player, but I don't like barring injury, I would say his floor is pretty close to a top 5 wide receiver. Nobody has the floor of the number two receiver, so I'm not particularly concerned of his targets. I don't. I don't think there's much risk. He's below 140 targets. Yeah, probably not. I'm surprised though. 91 catches, 1100 yards, eight touchdowns is wide I receiver. I think over on all three. Well, I'm just surprised that that comes out to wide receiver four. It feels low. I know last year was a bad year for wide receivers, but well. I am doing the math on a calculator on my phone while I'm talking. <laughs> no, so I just 120 <laughs> is 112 points plus 91 points for the catches. That's 203, right? Yes. Plus, I, I actually did have eight and a half touchdowns, 40. so it would be 51. Um, that'd be 254. That's basically in a tie with Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, and DJ Moore. Which in your is, in your projections? Yeah. Okay. 254 fantasy points. Uh-huh. Well, let's and see. I, I mean, I, I agree with Heath and Jamie particularly. Well, I think Jamie's more talking about the ceiling, but Heath in particular that his floor is very strong. I, there's there's not enough competition here for us to really be concerned about Adam's targets. But I also think um, Adam makes a good point that he's never had more than 8.2 yards per target. That's not really what we see from these top elite receivers. These guys can go way above that in terms of per target efficiency. He has always been really good in terms of touchdowns, uh, his touchdown rate on a per-target basis uh, up until really last year where he only had five, but he had three straight years before that with double-digit scores. I think those touchdowns are really important, and it would be nice to see him be a little bit more efficient with the yardage, certainly. Um, he, he, I think he does have a little bit more risk uh, on the upside perspective because he's not so efficient in terms of yards per target. But Again, I, I I can't really disagree with Jamie's point either that the the targets could just be so massive that, that that creates a huge feeling. And it's also Adam, you know, you brought this up in regards to Mark Cooper and the schedule he faces. The schedule for Adams, Minnesota secondary is revamped, maybe better. Bad. You know what I mean? No, uh, but revamped. It's a good Detroit, matchup. Detroit loses Darius Slay, revamped. Uh, he's got New Orleans. That's the one that stands out. That could be tough. Tampa Bay secondary certainly improved. He beat up San Francisco in the playoffs. They play them, but that's a you know good secondary. And Chicago's defense is going to be tough. He's got Philadelphia too. It's a pretty light schedule. He had a tougher schedule last year, right? Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Heath, maybe this just speaks to how you can't project like great seasons. But 254 fantasy points in PPR 
almost certainly would not be number four. It would be worse. It's uh, been six or seven. I just looked. It's been six or seven and three of the past four years, um, or maybe eight, but depending on whether, whether you're using per game or the total points. Um, then one year, I think it was like 12th, because yeah. 2018 was a stupid good year for receivers. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, glad we had that conversation, and uh, we'll talk more about it. Oh, here's a fun fact about Matt LaFour's offense. He's been the head coach or the offensive coordinator in three seasons. And I know Sean McVay was calling plays, but um, in all three of those seasons, a running back has been second on the team in targets. How about that? Not necessarily huh. per game, but... Uh, Here comes Jamal Williams. I, I mean, I guess Deion Lewis was second in targets in 2018. He's had some pretty crappy receiving course. And he has another one. <laughs> I mean, but he's never had a player like that, though. No, yeah. but I mean, I know Devontae Adams is going to be number one in targets, but who's going to be number two in targets? It could be, it could be Aaron Jones. I th- I do think it's interesting. I don't think though. that's going to be Aaron. Yeah, Jones. Yeah, but Aaron, Aaron Jones' no. targets spiked so much when Adams was yeah, out. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't think it's going to be him. I take that back. It'd be great if it was AJ Dillon. It's going to be all <laughs> Lazard. Uh, it should be Lazard. Yeah, you would think. All right, news and notes, guys. Uh, before that, let's promote a few things. CBS Sports HQ. Not only are you getting your Fantasy Football Today content, yes, live noon Eastern all week on CBS Sports HQ, or should I say Fantasy Football Yesterday, uh, but it's not just that. You download this, the HQ app, CBS Sports HQ app. It's free. I got it on my Roku. You can get it on your Amazon Fire, Apple TV, whatever. And it's gambling advice. It's fantasy advice. We react to breaking news. It's highlights. It's sports coverage that's, simp- that's you know, I said the word simple, not, not that it's bad, but it's not, it's not stupid loudmouth opinions and people yelling at each other. It's smart. It's what you grew up watching. It's why we loved sports coverage when we were younger. It's it's awesome. CBS Sports HQ, very just like professional and comprehensive. So download the app. It's 24-7. It's completely free. And, of course, Fantasy Football Today is live noon Eastern all week long. And join our Facebook group. Search for Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click on the link in the description, the episode description. And you can chat with our FFT team and other fantasy fans. And we have threads for all of the Fantasy Football Yesterday themes, so you can leave your picks for the best one-year wonder and all those types of things. All right, Dave sent me a quote from uh, John Gruden of the Las Vegas Raiders. And he said, quote, We want to use three tight ends at a time. No disrespect to the receivers, but we're going to put three tight ends out there. Morrow, Waller, Jason Witten. We're going to run it in play action. We're going to play old-school football. We have a fullback, so we're going to use a two-back set with Josh Jacobs and Alec Ingold, end quote. That would literally mean no receivers. Just for people who aren't doing <laughs> the math on skill positions, three tight ends, a fullback, and a running back leaves no receivers. <laughs> I'll take the over. I mean, that's old school. That is old school. But, you know, I guess kind of a similar question with what I talked about with uh, the Packers. What do you think? What do you think about the Raiders' offense? I mean, we we had this conversation on Twitch, right? When we were talking about one-hit wonders with Darren Waller, that this is the fear is that there's a lot of mouths to feed, and the guy who had a breakout season in 27, forget about why he got there, but you know, he was the guy because they had no one else, and they invested heavily in the NFL draft and weapons, and they this, bring in a Hall of Famer at the same position. But this would be great for Darren Waller. They're not going to have wide receivers on the field. He's their, he's <laughs> their best threat in the passing game. That's very true. <laughs> what does it make you think for Josh Jacobs? 
I think it's mostly nonsense. Okay. I do too. <laughs> so Gruden, Gruden has said a lot of things, and I, I just don't buy into this at all. Okay. We get we get Frank Caliendo on to to read that quote. <laughs> Uh, the Raiders are also close to signing cornerback Prince Amukamara. And a couple more notes. Mohamed Sanu is out of his walking boot. He's recovering from ankle surgery. If Edelman's the number one receiver there, would you rather have Mohamed Sanu or Nikhil Harry as the number two on the Patriots? Harry by a lot. Yeah, I think I project Sanu for more right now, but it's just like we've seen absolutely nothing from Nikhil Harry. Um, Sanu's weird because like he looks really good and has had some some moments, but was just irrelevant. He's just called Adam weird. He said you're weird, Sanu. <laughs> Sanu weird. Yeah. Um, I, I think th- there's going to be a lot of receiving cores like this where the the third guy probably based on the depth chart is probably a lot better than the second. Maybe not a lot better, but better than the second guy. And that guy's going to have numbers that are frustrating. The, but the most important, like, assuming that they're just going to run a semi or a similar offense, like with Jared Stidham at quarterback, do we really care which receiver is second in targets? I think so. Like, I mean, we don't know how good or bad Stidham is, but I don't. I mean, is he going to target Edelman as highly? Is he going to be that dependent on the slot and the and the option routes and and probably to a, to a degree just because of the offense and how, what they're going to teach him and what they presumably already taught him? Um, but like he will still throw enough that I mean, I don't know unless unless you think the Patriots are going to play defense and ball control and win thirteen games, which I I can't figure out their off season, but that's something that I've considered. Like maybe Belichick's I, just going to. There, yeah, there are some r- reports out of, you know, and again, we keep saying the same thing, but there are some reports out of Boston and New England that once uh, Karras, I think, signs his, or if they could work out a long-term deal with him, then they sign Cam, then they have the money for Cam. That's, that's their center? Or their yeah. guard? No, their guard. Their guard. Their guard. Yeah. Uh, so, man, if they get Cam, like, they're the favorites again, right? No. In the <laughs> East? Or yeah. the, the league? Oh, in the, in <laughs> in the, the East. East. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. I, I really don't know how good... Again, if Cam Newton is not the mobile... Well, his competition's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, and Josh Allen. I, well, Tua. I mean, no, I, I think that... Maybe. I'm sorry, it's Joe Tooney, not Ted Care. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, um, no, what I would say is uh, if Cam Newton's not healthy, you know, if he's not the same dynamic player he is, he's not that good of a passer. But so I still, has... think the, I still think the Bills could be better than them. He's his, he's been a better passer than Josh Allen. He is, but he's not a better rusher anymore than Josh Allen in this hypothetical scenario. You know? Like Adam, if, if I gave you $100—no, I'm sorry. If you had to take $100 from your wife to bet on one of the teams in the East and Cam Newton's on the Patriots, where are you betting your money? I, I think it's a very flawed roster. Um I guess I'd take the Patriots, but I really think the Bills could win the East. See, my thought with the flawed roster thing is, like, we've thought that so many times. Like, <laughs> they've had Tom Brady. Yeah, but they've also found production from a lot of places. Like, they're, Belichick knows his roster better than we do. That's all it's I'm the saying. Wor- but they weren't really that good last year. I mean, they their offensive line is as bad as it. That's the big thing for me. They've always had a great offensive line. That was not the case last year. Uh, I don't think that will be the case this year. So. 
What's their strength? Who would you take? If Cam Newton goes to the Patriots, who would you take? I would I'll take Bill Belichick. Yeah, I'll take the Patriots and give you a game and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, Cam, I don't. I don't think we're being anybody is being fair to Cam Newton. No, I agree with that. Um, but a, Cam Newton is we, not we, as we, bad we, we, don't, we, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, he's I mean. MVP who went to a Super Bowl and who, yeah, he wasn't very good the last time we saw him, but as a passer, it was the best we'd seen. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm just saying. Uh, in my hypothetical scenario, it was it was not Cam Newton. It was a Cam Newton, basically like an old, broken down Cam Newton who's not really a running threat anymore. That guy, sure. I don't think, is a but, very you know. Player. No disrespect to the Panthers' coaching staff. This would be the best coaches he's ever played with. And so, you know, do they mold him a little bit differently? Off season being what it is, uh, it'd be it'd be fun for fantasy. Forget about the real life, you know, expectations. You know, to have him back with a team like that, where you know he's probably going to have to run a little bit. Maybe they encourage it. And to circle back to the question about Harry, the reason I I, I think you would take Harry over Sanu, and whether it's Cam or Stidham, it's just upside. And we know he's a first-round pick. We know it was a first-round pick last year. We know he wasn't very good last year. He was hurt, but um, has those kind of number one traits. And and the thing, one thing that is kind of sticking with me more as we go through this offseason is he was way more productive than Brandon Ayuk. in 2018 at Arizona State, and then AU and, and AU could transferred from from a junior college, but uh, AU really blew up after Harry left. And you know, I look at, at age adjusted production, and and Harry's track record was very strong. But it's also notable that the the next year another first round receiver comes out of that same college, and Harry was way better than him. So um, I I think there's still plenty of upside for Harry to have like the DJ Chark type second year breakout even though he wasn't very good in year one all right last note is joe judge giants head coach said that the offense is going to look similar to jason garrett's offense and you know if you just look at jason garrett's tenure with the cowboys and the years he was calling plays versus the years he was not calling plays in my opinion is a pretty i'm not gonna say bad but mediocre track record yes um they were typically better with a different play caller uh, so I don't know what that, what do you, what does that mean to you guys uh, in terms of, they were better in terms of points per game, by the way, but what the Giants offense will look like if it's similar to Jason Garrett's. A lot of running. They, they don't have a receiver that compares to anybody that Garrett coached at that time. And I, at least, at least, well, I, 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 that's probably not fair. Maybe they do, but we haven't seen that yet. So I don't think Shepard's going to be a Des Bryant type of guy. Maybe Slayton is. No, I mean, you're right. I I was always a little fuzzy. Like, other than last year, I was always a little fuzzy in Dallas, whether Garrett was calling plays or not. And it felt like that was kind of a fluid thing throughout the middle of certain years. Um, but one thing I, I seem to remember is there were not near as many targets for running backs when Jason Garrett was calling plays. I guess worth looking into. All right, let's take a break here on Fantasy Football Today. And when we come back, we're going back in time to Fantasy Football yesterday. The biggest one-hit wonders, the outlier seasons, the breakouts, or the outlier games, rather. And we'll spin it ahead and talk about uh, 2020 as well. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. 
Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Turn that clock back. It's fantasy football yesterday. Let's talk about the biggest one-year wonders. Okay, who you got? Ben Gretsch. Well, Peyton Hillis and Steve Slayton are kind of the two that that just pop out and come to mind. They're two guys that were incredible for one season and then just as inexplicably were gone the next. Yes, those were the top two for me as well. And that was uh, 2008, Steve Slayton, 2010, Peyton Hillis. I'm really weird because it seems like everybody had those two as their top two. And I, they did not make my three that I sent in. <laughs> okay, who were your big, uh, big one year? Or was it? Yeah, one year wonders. My first one was Josh Gordon. My second one was RG three. And my third one was Gary Barnage. Oh, just all terrible. All, all very good ones. All of them. All no. Yeah, they are good. Picks. I don't. Know <laughs> they are good. Picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, where do you come at? Ben, what was your third, by the way? Yeah, I had. Um, I actually didn't even send in Hillis because I knew he would be on enough list, but I, I did do Slayton and Barnage. And then I put Brandon Lloyd, which um, he never had another thousand yard season. And that, that big year in Denver kind of came out of nowhere, but he was still pretty productive again the next year, uh, just under a thousand yards. And and had another decent season with uh, New England later on, but um, it was just wild that he came out of nowhere, led the league with fourteen hundred and forty eight yards, and like I said, never even hit a thousand again. Had eleven touchdowns, never had more than six touchdowns again in any other season. Um, that one year, I think I'm pretty sure it was the overall wide receiver won that year, and it was just yeah. kind of out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah, I have one like that too, but like Brandon, this was even less of a. One. This is the one you guys could make fun of before. I had Moose and Muhammad as my third nope. because he was not a wonder wonder, but his 2004 season is so funny. Uh, he had basically been like completely irrelevant the two years before that. I'm pretty sure. And then he's the number one wide receiver in fantasy in 2004 with 1400 yards and 16 touchdowns. And that era, the number one wide receiver, it's like Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison, Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, Bam, Moose Muhammad just pops up this year in 2004 after his career had been sort of on the downslope. So I I just couldn't believe, like, that season blows my when, mind. When did he go to the Bears? Right after that? Yep, right after that. So Steve Smith had was was a lot younger, but had, had started with Carolina the year before 
and had been uh, involved in 20, 2002 and 2003. And then in 2004, he breaks his leg in the preseason. And yeah. that's what sparked Musa Muhammad's huge 2004. And then they let Muhammad walk. He was a free agent. And then Steve Smith immediately has a monster 2005. But he has that- one of the best quotes of all time, Muhammad. As a member of the Bears, he said, Chicago is where receivers go to die. Because that was at, at the point where they couldn't get a good wide receiver to perform well there. And then it was the Marshall-Jeffrey duo that sort of broke through that. He scored seven touchdowns in the three seasons before 2004, and then he scored 16 in 2004. But 99, 2000, I mean, he was a really good receiver, basically 98 through 2000. So it was not a one-hit wonder. He would have been a really good choice for the best breakouts. But he, but that wasn't a breakout. He was the, he's the best choice. He's for actually the a really good choice for injury replacement. Yeah, the yeah. injury replacement. He's the best. Injury replacement, yeah. He's got to be one of the best there. All right, Jamie, what were your top three one-year wonders? Well, uh, one is uh, a little different, but kind of ties in with all this. The Browns actually could feel a fantasy lineup of one-hit wonders. Uh, Derek Anderson's one, um, 2007 season when he was um, a fantasy darling that year. And then you have Hillis. Gordon and Barnage. So you get a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Um, but Anderson's one, just to be different, uh, Nick Foles, his 2013 season. I mean, you know, he's obviously had moments, but that year was his best fantasy season by far. Um, and then Justin Forsett in 2014 with Baltimore when he replaced yeah. Ray Rice, um, you know, with his situation. So, you know, he never did much before or, or after that. And that 2014 season, he had 1,500 total yards, eight touchdowns, and 44 catches. That was uh, the year that got Gary Kubiak back as a head coach because he was the offense coordinator for the Ravens. And then the Broncos hired him the next season. All right. Uh, if you want to compare some ADP of some of the some of the players we talked about, Steve Slayton was the uh, second pick of round two. So he was the 14th pick in the draft in 2009, and he was terrible. And let's see, we'll check 2011 for Peyton Hillis. I think he was more of like a third or fourth round pick. He was a little bit later. And then what was Josh Gordon's big year? 2013. All right, so let's check uh let's check some ADP for 20 You said 13? Yeah. Okay, so we'll check for 2014. Um I'm kind of interested, yeah, cuz that was Well, he was suspended, so I don't know when right. he would have been drafted. Yeah. All right, I won't check that. Well, we'll see if we'll see where it shows up. Uh um, Another one that we didn't mention, uh Jordan Reed 2015. I think that was Chris Towers who suggested that one. Yeah, yeah, that's Gordon, a good one. Gordon, another yeah. guy that another guy that we you know similar to Gordon, we were chasing for a few years for okay, this will be the season. I think as as far back as 2018, we were still ranking him as a top 12 tight end. Yeah, and I took him in our best seasons draft on on Monday, and from a points per game perspective, he, he looks good. Like his his best his season is you know belongs in the in the top eight. But if you just look at total points, because he missed a couple games. He probably didn't belong in that draft because there's only eight of us drafting, and so no, no, eight, I think I think he, we we talked about this on HQ because Dave's whole philosophy was points per game, and he took Tony Gonzalez after you took Reed in that same round, and I asked him, you know, what would you have done? And he said, you know, he 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 said he was struggling because he didn't have a tight end at that point, and sure. so uh, his his points per game. I, I remember just I asked Dave the question. Reed was at seventeen point seven. There were only three tight ends over eighteen points. Uh, in a season, which was Kelsey, Graham, and, and Gronk. So Reed was right there. Yeah. And, and Gonzalez, uh, despite some people thinking he's better than Gronk, um, Gonzalez's <laughs> best season was 16.9. But what I think is most fascinating about that Reed season, and I was kind of hemming and hawing, but um, 
from weeks 14 to week 16, the fantasy playoffs, he never scores fewer than 27 PPR points. Whoa. He goes 27, 27.4, then goes over 33. He averaged as a tight end, averaged over the fantasy playoffs more than 29 PPR points per game. It's more than four points per game better than any other tight end ever. Right, let's uh, let's spin it ahead here, Heath. Who are some one-year wonders you think maybe from 2019? We look back at 2019 and say oh, this guy's going to be a one-year wonder. This is a terrible exercise. Um, I'm not not not, not, <laughs> I'm not criticizing you. I've already done it, and it's just not any fun at all because like you really need to choose guys that you actually think are good, and um, that's that's not fun. But I'll say Devonte Parker. Um, I'm going to count. Ryan Tannehill. Um, he's kind of like Brandon Lloyd, though, right? Like he's had some like, good years, but not great. Right. He was like he was the second best quarterback in fantasy once he started last year. So, and then um, I like I'm not so sure. Like I think it might be more likely that Debo Samuel is Dante Pettis than a future top twenty receiver. Adam, if you want, so we're doing this for HQ. I have Heath, Ben's, and Dave's answers for this. I just give you the list. If you want it? Whatever, yeah, the sure. guys. So, um, so uh, I don't remember who gave which ones aside from what Heath just said, but uh, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Whee! Ronald Jones, <laughs> Cortland Sutton, Michael Gallup, Darren Waller, and Tyler Higby. And so, for those of you that are interested, I'm going to make Ben, Gretch, and Dave fight on HQ today about Tyler Higby because Dave has Higby as one of his breakout candidates. Yeah, and I don't, I just don't know about Waller. It just what he did last year was, was just elite. Well, we're we're not we're not obviously saying that this is going to. I mean, these are just guys that fall right. into that category of potential one hit wonders. Guys that either had a spike in production after well, down years. Yeah, Devontae Parker is the best example of that, or a guy that came out of nowhere that's a little bit older, like Waller. Well, yeah, which, I, which I, is the one you feel most sure about, most confident in that they're going to be one year wonders. I suggested Parker. Waller, and I, he's not the one I feel most confident in. We right. just talked about him earlier this week. I think he's probably going to be fine. I think his targets are coming down and everything, but and that will go down as a career year more more than likely. But yeah. I think he's going to be fine. I, um, I th- Aaron Jones is an excellent, excellent yep. suggestion. Like I don't necessarily want to say it, and I don't agree with it, but it's an excellent suggestion. It's almost as good as Derrick Henry is bad. Like if, if Aaron Jones, <laughs> well, I had both those. So I, if, if, if Aaron crazy. Jones has six touchdowns, like, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right, but Derrick Henry was a top twelve back in twenty eighteen, so like he can't be a one year wonder. He's already had two good years. Yeah, but okay, so I it, it depends on the way you define it for sure, and I I agree with that in just in general. But he went from. 1,150 total yards to 1,750 total yards. He added 600 total yards. He, for the first time, rushed you know 300, 300 times in a season in his previous career. It was 215. He went from 12 touchdowns to 18 touchdowns. I mean, yes, he was also good another year. He's not a one-year wonder, but I, I, I also think that 2019 will go down as, as his career year. I agree with that. All right, let's talk about the biggest breakout seasons from 1997 to 2019, this era that we've been talking about, the sports line era. Uh, the biggest breakout seasons. Jamie, what were your favorites? Um, favorites? You know, this is a weird one because, like, we all, or not we all, but there were a lot of votes from Mahomes. And so, you know, his breakout season is is kind of like we're, we're projecting, you know, which I think we, we're all confident that he's going to be a pretty good player. 
but you know, after not playing his rookie year and then doing what he did in, in oh, 2018, it's a great pick. Yeah. Um, Arian Foster in 2010, yep. you know, where he, uh, he had that three year stretch of just being awesome. Um, it's so funny cause we had this conversation, you know, on both, both of our platforms on, on HQ and, and, the, and here about the Mount Rushmore running backs. And, and I think, you know, you look at like Foster wasn't as good at his peak as, as Priest Holmes was, but he was, he did a little bit longer. And I almost feel like, you know, he might be a better candidate than, than Holmes is just a little bit based on longevity. Holmes, again, his spikes are higher, so I get it. Um, but Antonio Brown, uh, his 2013 season that started a, a six year run of just being an, an absolute beast and, and Gronk in 2011 too. Gronk certainly made my list because he didn't have a great rookie year and he was the 12th tight end drafted that year. And he had the greatest tight end season ever. At least in this era, I can't imagine before 1997 there was a better tight end season with them with Gronk. Did you say did. he didn't have a great rookie year? He didn't. Did he? He scored double digit touchdowns. Uh, what did he have? Like 600 one. yards? No, he didn't. No, he, he was, was not. He was the tight end 11, and he had 10 touchdowns. Oh, tight end 11. Okay. He was a tight end one. I said. Okay. 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 But he was not the tight end one. Yeah, but I mean, for a rookie, he wasn't. Where did he I, get I drafted? He, he that, got that's, that to me is a great rookie year. He got drafted as the number 12 tight end. So I think people probably say, oh, he scored a lot of touchdowns, but how many yards did he have? 546. 546 yards. So he, yeah, okay. It really wasn't like, it was a great touchdown season, but 546 yards is not anything to write home about, obviously. But, uh, okay, his career, 2011, launched the greatest tight end career ever, basically. Um, And then he hasn't played 16 games in a season since. (laughs) That's interesting. First two seasons, he hit 16 games, never did it again. I uh, I think Jamie said all but one of the guys that I sent in, because um, I had Mahomes, I had Foster, I think, I had Gronk, uh, but Marvin Harrison, his first three years, he did not crack 900 yards, and then in 1999, 115 catches, 1,663 yards, 12 touchdowns. And then he goes on an eight-year stretch where he averages 105 catches, 1,425 yards, and 13 touchdowns per year. He was uh, he was remarkable. It's yeah, such I a just... it's, it's such a weird category because like you know there you could you could define this so many different ways. You know, rookie season breakouts. Like you know, I mean, it's it's so hard to say like okay, is that the year like we look back on AJ Brown for example is that going to be you know 2019 going to be the year that was his breakout that's the question and then just just started his his you know meteoric rise yeah i think dj chark to me like is there possible that is it possible that dj chark in his second year breakout after the very quiet rookie year just had that season where we look back and go wow that really launched something or is he a one year wonder we had a nice discussion about him on twitch yesterday um so I'm sorry. So who were some of the other any any other nominees that we wanted to get out there? Yeah, I mean, I I just wrote up a, a piece for this as well. So I have a bunch I can list off that are just kind of fun to think about. Priest Holmes, we talked about. He kind of did it two years in a row. He broke out in his first year, but he only had ten touchdowns, and so we weren't really sure about him. And I remember uh, in my league back then, because um, of kind of a weird story that we always pass down and tell that he wasn't a first round pick. He was like a second third round pick, I think, even though he had 2000 yards from scrimmage in his first year with the chiefs. And then it was that second year that he almost had, you know, he went to, Oh, not only can he do that again, but like he's Superman now because he scored 24 touchdowns and in, in, in 14 games. 
Uh, Arian Foster, Tiki Barber is another one who kind of broke out a couple different times, but he, he fumbled, uh, he fumbled 35 times over four seasons and it really limited his ability to, to rack up touches. And then as a 29 year old, he finally gets his fumbles in check. And then at 30, he puts up what is still to this day, currently the fourth most total yards in NFL history in a season, more than anything that Daniel Tomlinson ever did and several other great uh, running back. So he, he's a, a weird one that kind of just went to that next gear at, at age 29 and age 30. Uh, Michael Turner, you guys said Antonio Brown, but Victor Cruz and Miles Austin are two fun ones, two undrafted oh, free yeah. agents. Victor receiver. Cruz, number one on my level, number two with Gronkowski, same year. And what I love, the, the Victor Cruz season, undrafted free agent, 2010 was technically his rookie season, but he basically didn't play. 2011, 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns. He had five touchdown catches of 68 or more yards, including a 99-yard touchdown catch. Pretty sure he was a top-five receiver. Out of nowhere. Third? third? Yep. Wow. Wide receiver three. Except yeah. for me, yep. Jamie, who called Victor Cruz on this podcast? You did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a good call since 2011. Wide receiver three, and he only had two catches on four targets in the first two games because you know he, he didn't even really break the make the team the year before. Didn't see a single target, and it, and it was his second year. He he breaks camp on the fifty three man roster. He was obviously a a preseason star. I think we all remember that wearing jersey number three. Um, and then in week three, he has his first big game, and he and he doesn't look back, and he goes on to be the wide receiver three, even though he didn't really even get a shot until you know week three, week four. All right, those are some breakouts there, breakout seasons. Does anything strike you in five years? We're going to be talking about the 2019 season of this guy that really you know, stands out as a breakout for a, a very productive fantasy stretch. And hopefully Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Jackson and Mahomes are two of the greatest quarterback breakouts of all time, period. I mean, they're, they're two of the four best quarterback seasons in this era that we're looking at, and they both were QB 15 or later in drafts those years. Uh, ha- okay, I mentioned Chark. Is we talked about Parker as a one-year wonder, more likely to be a one-year wonder or the start of a great stretch. Devontae Parker, one-year wonder, one-year wonder. Okay, Darren Waller, more likely to be a one-year wonder or the start of a great stretch. One start. Year wonder. Oh. One-year wonder. I'll say DJ Moore just had his breakout and is going to go on to, to amazing things. He was the wide receiver seven through 15 games. Uh, and only three points behind the wide receiver four before he left week 16 in the first quarter. So his numbers look a little worse because when you look at points per game and you see that he played 15 games, we're, we're giving uh, that week 16 too much weight because he only played six snaps. But he was yeah, I, he was a, an elite receiver. Uh, I know you wanted to give me a hard time about having him in my breakouts for this year. So I will uh... – <laughs> I can yeah. just I can just defend that now. Like I I, I don't necessarily disagree that he, he did definitely break out last year, but he's going to have to get into the end zone on a regular basis to be a guy that we draft as a second round pick moving forward or to even justify a second round pick this year. So I think if we look back on DJ Moore's career, the time that we will say that he had his his big breakthrough is when he finishes the year not just as a top 15 wide receiver in PPR, but as a top 10 receiver in both formats because he scores the touchdowns to go with his catches. Wait, so timeout. I got to I got to I got to uh, He was the wide receiver 7 through 15 games because of, right behind the not, wide not on a per game basis. 
He wasn't right behind the wide receiver four with only four touchdowns. But that, what, what, was what was he a non PPR? What was he a non PPR? Okay, but in PPR he was saying. a top eight receiver when he got hurt in the second to last game with only four touchdowns at twenty two with horrible quarterback play. I think I think you're making I think you're you want to make the other argument that when those TDs come he's going to be a superstar. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. He wasn't a superstar last year. He wasn't, and we're talking about fantasy football. Like he was a superstar as a player, but it didn't show up in his fantasy production for the end of the year. Because and of the like, touchdowns. I understand that he missed part of a game getting hurt, but, or maybe a game and a half getting hurt, but on a per game basis last year, he didn't finish as a top 12 wide receiver in any format. I got more. There were, if you take he that was game worse out, on a per game basis. If you take that game out where he only played six snaps, he did. Heath doesn't do that. Like, that's just every time well, I try to make that case. That. No one does that in retrospect. Like I when do. we look at this five years from now, we're not going to say, you know, if you take that quarter out from that 15th game, and I still don't think he would be because there's guys like Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Marvin Jones that played fewer games and were only like 30 points behind him. I, I have a few more breakouts from guys that are currently playing. Um, you have Kittle from 2018. Uh, Kelsey from 2017, essentially. You could say maybe 20, uh, 2016, I guess, was his first 1,000-yard season. Uh, Thielen from 2018. We'll see if he's able to sustain oh, yeah. it over that's a couple good. years. Well, 2017, yeah, I guess. I'd but. say he already did. I think that's a good call. Um, and one that you asked from 2019 that broke out that I think is sustainable is Mark Andrews. I think he's going to be you know, yep. pre- pretty elite for a few years, too. Yeah, that's a good one. And let's finish up fantasy football yesterday with the biggest outlier games of the era, 97 to 2019. Heath, what stands out to you, the biggest outlier games? Um, Marvin Jones. Uh, oh, this yeah. past year, yeah. Well, two different times. He did it back with the Bengals. That was even a crazier one because he wasn't even like a starter. He, had, he has two four-touchdown games. That's great. And... and he had nine touchdowns last year. I can't get over that four touchdown game because I, I never draft him, and I don't really want to because I feel well, like he's available in the eighth or ninth round. Though it's not like you have to spend a top twenty four wide receiver pick on him. No, but eighth or ninth round. I mean, he's going to score probably fifty more fantasy points than Justin Jefferson this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that in PPR. He's uh, he's going to get a lot more targets than Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, probably. So outlier games, you got that Nick Foles game. We already talked about him. Um, You have the the Jonas Gray game, right? The four touchdown crazy game for the Patriots. Um, I'm looking at at Chris's write-up. He had the Wildcat game on here. Both Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams had pretty productive games that game, and it, it really just came out of nowhere, right? And Ronnie I mean, Brown was a pretty well. Ronnie Brown threw a touchdown that game, right? That, yeah. That's a yeah. five it's, touchdown. It's funny. Game. I, I was that's one of the games we're talking about on HQ today. So I was just reading. Uh, ESPN did a great recap of it ten years later in 2018, and just uh, the comments from. Rodney Harrison and Teddy Bruschi and just how confused and lost that they were and how pissed off that they were. Yeah. And um, uh, Ronnie Brown saying he'd never played quarterback on any level before. And they were talking about how he was left-handed and how he's, you know, they, 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 
the minute that he threw the ball because they thought they finally figured out the run. And then the minute they threw it, was like, holy bleep, he's lefty. <laughs> uh, the best part about it, though, was the comments from the Dolphins guy saying that they couldn't do it against their defense in practice. And so that they practiced it, you know, leading up. They were 0-2. It was coming off their 1-15 season. And the Dolphins' deep, the defenders were saying, like, when they saw that it was working against the Patriots, like, how in the hell is this high school gimmicky bleep working against Bill Belichick's <laughs> defense? It was so fun to read just to, you know, go back to I remember we used to, uh, Dave and I used to fly up to New York to do fantasy football today um, on Sundays. And it was uh, Jason Horowitz was the host at the time. And so we would actually go watch games in the uh, NFL Today green room. So we would watch games with Marino and Bill Cower and uh, uh, Boomer Sison. It was it was just a, an unbelievable experience for you know several years. Uh, this particular day, for whatever reason, Jason and I were in a different green room, and I remember we were watching this game, going, "What? Did they? What? What? How? You know, it was it, it was it's just one of the more crazy experiences." of our time to watch that unfold. And against that coach and that defense in particular, uh, just just remarkable. When they crushed the Patriots, that game, and it sparked so much debate in football circles, right? I mean, every football fan, oh, is this sustainable? They're going to be able to keep doing it. This is a gimmick. How you know? It was really. It was well, like once it got wild... figured out, it got figured out. Yeah, you know that. But uh, it was it was fun. It was, it was fun you know the the offset line with how they moved the lineman around. You know the fact that the quarterback was still on the field and lined up out wide. You know it. I, you got to say it. It it may be the reason a guy like Taysom Hill has a job. I mean, it absolutely impacted the NFL for several years. It, it that it was remarkable. I mean, one of one of the craziest kind of scheme things that we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like you said. Okay. Any other nominees here? I mean, I, 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 the, the list that we're going to talk about on HQ today, you got Nick Foles game from week nine in 2013 when he threw for seven touchdowns and 406 yards. Um, Trubisky 2018 week four against Tampa Bay threw for six touchdowns. Imagine that now with where he is. <laughs> uh, those two guys competing against each other. Um, the Will Fuller game last year. We remember that one. Mm-hmm. Um, 14 catches, 217 yards, three touchdowns. And then a guy that's a one-year wonder um, that we kind of overlook, I think, is uh, Drew Bennett from the Titans, 2004. Uh, his game in Week 14, so start of the fantasy playoffs against the Chiefs. Uh, Heath may remember this one. Uh, 12 catches, 233 yards, and three touchdowns. He was, um, like, I think he did it for three games. So I was looking at this the other day, but yeah, his peak was just. It was over in a flash, but that game was wild. And then I'm pulling it up. 2004, he goes week 14, he does that. And then he, uh, I guess week 13, just before that, he also had had a three touchdown game, just not nearly as many yards. And in week 15, he backed it up with 160 and two touchdowns. So he had a three game stretch where he goes over 120 yards in every game and catches eight TDs and probably never did that again in his whole career. Sounds like a Rashad Perryman run. Yeah. Yeah, his stretch last year. Yeah, so yeah. I wonder if that's a Tyler Higby run. I know. Uh, I know. Dave certainly would think no, but Higby basically had. I'm thinking it was. The, I think it was the best five game stretch in tight end history. Yes. A pretty pretty incredible run to finish the season. Bring I had big guns today, Ben. Dave's gonna get mad. <laughs> <laughs> I had some emails. Uh, yeah, I think you know what. Let's let's read some emails here. Um. Let's go rapid fire from these questions from Caleb. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. 
Could you touch on some players I'm considering drafting in a redraft PPR league? Heath, I'll give you the first one. Alvin Kamara. Will he have a comeback season and return to top five or even top three running back status? Will Latavius Murray become next to nothing, or will he have a role that frustrates Kamara owners? I don't think he's going to frustrate Kamara owners as long as Alvin Kamara is healthy. I There was, listen, his rookie year, I after that, I said there's no way he's going to average that type of efficiency. He's going to regress. <laughs> the following year he did, but then he scored way more touchdowns than we should have expected. And then last year he scored far fewer touchdowns than we should have expected. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And I do think that they will, like, I, I'm right now projecting him for more touches than he's ever had. So I don't think Latavius Murray is going to be a problem unless Kamara gets hurt. Jamie, Kenyon Drake, will he continue what he started last season? Or will Chase Edmonds cut into his role? If he does cut in, how much will it affect Drake? Does the Hopkins trade help Drake by forcing the D to focus on D Hopkins? Anyway, your thoughts on Drake? I think Drake's going to be awesome. I think he's a great pick in the middle of the second round. Um, he's, uh, he's going to build off what he did last year. And Ben, Calvin Ridley, will he have a breakout Chris Godwin-like season? Yes. That's literally the exact comp I've made several times this offseason. So, yes. Okay, and that's it for Caleb. He had five questions. I chose three. Sorry, Caleb. From Nick, in a dynasty league, would you view a quarterback-wide receiver connection any differently than you would in redraft? I have Carson Wentz. My first pick is 1.7. A lot of mock rookie drafts and rankings seem seem to project that I'll be looking at Jefferson, Ruggs, Rager in that spot. Um, unless one of the running backs falls, then I could draft them. But as the Wentz owner, should I prioritize Rager over Jefferson and Ruggs? I wouldn't. This, I don't like this question at all. Uh, I <laughs> like the question. At, at the seventh pick, I think you're going to get a better player than Rager That's why. or Jefferson because there are five running backs that I would take before them. And I'd take Jerry, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb before them. So you should just take whoever's left amongst the top five running backs, Judy and Lamb. I would take Rager over Ruggs and Jefferson, regardless of who my quarterback is, because he's just a better prospect. And I wouldn't take him at 107. Just you like just, just Rager said. is a better prospect than Ruggs? Yes. I, I do I not think everybody shares that opinion. No. I know I think Rager's a better prospect than Ruggs, but Rager's in a better situation than Ruggs. So I think, I mean, we, we, we said this so many times. If the Eagles receiving core is decimated with Jeffrey and Jackson being hurt again, Rager's going to be a star. Has a chance to be, at least. Has a chance to be, yeah. But those, those guys, if they're healthy, it's going to make things frustrating, and then you just don't know what's going to happen in 2021. Here's a question from Sean. I have the sixth pick in my rookie drafts. I think the top three running backs. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get there, explain your, your decision in the Superflex draft that we did yesterday that you you passed on Jefferson to take rugs. Who, me? Yeah, you. It's a dynasty league. Do you like Jefferson better? Uh, just to so clarify, yeah. you like Jefferson better this year, rugs better long term? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, I I draft Justin Jefferson in a mock draft. Well, you made it seem like he's the best prospect ever. No, I think he's <laughs> in the best situation in 2020. That's, that's yeah, all. I, I, I really think you, like, that's the thing I think that everyone is really confused about. Why? Who's in a better situation? I think, um, I, I'll accept. I, I don't think, unless the Vikings defense is just really bad, I don't think it's a very good situation because there's not enough targets to go around for two receivers. Thielen was hurt last year, and Diggs couldn't even get 100 receivers, 100 targets only, in that offense. Why only focus on 
last year and the targets. There have been times when they've been very pass heavy. And because yes, I they, do they think they're I do the think I do think <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you know what? I do think their defense will be better and I uh, will be worse. I do think their defense will be worse. And I think he gets uh I think he gets ninety targets. Oh, agreed. Yeah, ninety but that ninety targets is is awful. Not for a guy that I'm taking with the last pick of the eighth round. And quite honestly, I we we said it after the draft, it just didn't really work out that well for these rookie wide receivers. You know? They don't walk into great situations. It doesn't look like anyway. And obviously, please, I reserve the right to change my mind based on what we see in camp. You just love Kirk Cousins. We get it. You love Adam Thielen. You love Justin Jefferson. You think Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback ever. We we get it. <laughs> uh, from Sean. Okay, do I take the best wide receiver, wide receiver available with the sixth pick or Cam Akers? I go Lamb over Akers. In my I'd range. go Judy and Lamb over Akers. I think that's the the best way to go. Wide receivers have obviously a longer shelf life than running backs. Those two guys project to be superstars. The one caveat would be is if you are in desperate need of running back help, that is a very good player to get. Yep. Matt from Nashville. Hey, Steve, Eddie, Frank, and Javon. Titans. McNair, George, Wycheck, and Kirst. Wycheck. Ah, good. Nice, nice. I covered Javon Kirst in college. I thought he was going to be an absolute monster. He was for a little bit, wasn't he? His rookie year was amazing. Most sacks ever for rookie. Oh. All right, 12-team half PPR. Austin Eckler in the 7th or Aaron Jones in the 12th? 13th, sorry. Aaron Jones in the 13th or Eckler in the 7th? Jones. Jones. As much as I'm concerned about Jones, the value is too good. And from Michael, Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, I have both of them in a 12-team, three-receiver, standard-scoring dynasty league. I was offered pick 1.11 for one of these tight ends. It's not enough, but what would be a reasonable counter for Andrews or Kelsey? I'm 1.11 and a good running back or receiver, and I'd probably trade Kelsey. Wait, did you just say that don't even start a tight end? Uh, I didn't say that, but he does not actually list tight ends in the... Yeah, in the uh, email. I don't. I'm going to assume that's an oversight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So he asked specifically how about 111 and a 2020 uh, first round pick in the rookie draft? No, 2021. 2021, sorry. No. I would take that for Kelsey personally and just move on with Andrews. And I like to get younger in Dynasty at all times, basically. But if you're getting. Okay, so again, assign a player to it. So 111 is Jefferson. Rager, Ruggs, I mean, you know, drafts we've seen. Maybe it's Mims or Chenault or, you know, whatever your guy is at the end of the first round. Maybe it's Vaughn. Is that really enough for Kelsey? Plus maybe a pick at 11 again next year because I'm assuming this guy's obviously good. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably – I'm just – it's going to take a starter for me to do that. Like I think if you're getting – I would almost say you got to get 111 and a very good – like. If if I'm the guy that's picking 111 and I don't have a good tight end, I probably have a very loaded running back or wide receiver core. So you could probably get something of of a starting caliber player in return, maybe similar and and an aging player like how Kelsey is. I, let's, that's fair. Um, I'm try, I was trying to look to see 
Man, I've got a pretty big difference between those. Yeah. Andrews and Kelsey? No. Kelsey and my 11th best rookie. Like, yeah, I, would I think there say, should be a huge difference. Um, I would almost say you want to get 111 this year, first round pick next year, player, and maybe even a second round pick this year. Like, that's what Kelsey's worth to me. Okay. We are done. Thank you very much for tuning in to Fantasy Football Today slash yesterday. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And we'll talk to you again. We have another episode scheduled for Wednesday night, which will air on Thursday, where I get to argue with Jamie and everyone in the world about whether or not Le'Veon Bell in 2018 was actually a bust. Wait, what a dumb statement. <laughs> are we going to do this again? Yes, we are going to do this again. So thanks for listening, everybody. For Jamie... Heath, Ben Schrager, Dave, Al Melchior, Eric Mack. <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Uh, oh, Ben, Ben Grinch, Ben Grinch, yes, him too. Thanks so wow, much. You left out Nando. Oh, Nando, of course, Nando. Um, we'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football. Happy birthday, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs>